Could you turn in your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 31? I think you uh, all know uh, Brother Fraser Young, who's a member of our church, <coughs> when he's around, and we sometimes have him preach, and invariably he will uh, start his message by saying, I'm, now I'm not going to keep you for very long today, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say that same thing today, but I won't keep you very long, hopefully this morning. And hopefully we'll, but there, there'll be some blessing for us. I'm going to read uh, Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 to 8. <coughs> uh, now I've done a lot of reading on these verses, but uh, better, what better than having us, somebody read to us God's word? Uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto thee, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, sh he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did unto Sion, and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face that he may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all the, of Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. In my earlier message <coughs> this morning, we learned of some amazing prophecies that Moses made around the blessings and the cursings. I know there were lots of you know, uh, blessings and cursings, but there was lots of prophecy. Um, and we saw there uh, a decline, a declension amongst the people. We saw their uh, enemy uh, nations coming against them, them and besieging them. And we saw that the nation of Israel would be depleted in number. And so there are some amazing prophecies that have come through just through the sharing of the blessings and the cursings. We read that, uh, we found out that uh, when the people finally went to Canaan, they were to go to Mount Ebal and to Mount Gerizim and read aloud to all the people the blessings for obedience and the cursings for rebellion. They were to, build, they were to build two great stones with the blessings and cursings inscribed on them and they were to build an altar to the Lord. Moses wanted to establish warnings for when they entered the land and became a nation. He knew they would eventually forsake the Lord, so he wanted them to be reminded 
in as many ways as possible the cost of rebellion. You know what we just read here in um, Deuteronomy 31? We learned that Moses was 120 years old. He's about very close past uh, Davy's age, I think. Uh, I'm more like 35. And Bill Clinton, no, that's not true. I think I'm older than him by a year. Hmm. We know we're near 120. That's a lot. Um, but we learned here that Moses at this point was 120 years old and he told the people that he wasn't going to lead them into Canaan. Uh, Joshua was to have the privilege and he and the people were encouraged to be strong and of good courage and the Lord would give them the land as he had promised. Now Moses may have been a little bit nervous at this point of time because the last time they were ready to go into the land uh, they failed to trust God and spend 40 years in the desert. And so he might have been a little bit nervous about what's going to happen again. In verse 14, we read that the Lord wanted to personally give Joshua the charge to lead. There was going to be a charge for Joshua as he went in as the new leader, and the Lord wanted to deliver that charge personally. Have a look in verse 14 and 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thy days approach, that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give him a charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And so the scene was set. Moses and Joshua were to make their way to the door of the tabernacle. Then the cloud of the Lord appeared uh, over the door. And now this must have been an exciting time for Joshua, but a somewhat sad time for Moses. Now I have given a few charges to new pastors over the years. And I'm sure Pastor Davies has as well. A charge to the new pastor. And when I read this, that the Lord wanted to give a charge to Joshua personally, I was expecting something like, Joshua, preach the word, or... Uh, Joshua, lead and feed the flock. <laughs> but that's not what the Lord had for Moses and Joshua that day. In fact, the charge itself didn't come from verse 23. Verse 23, and he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. That's the charge. And this is basically what the Lord told, uh, what Moses had just told, sorry, but Moses has just been told in verse 7, Moses called unto Joshua. So uh, this is what basically what the, Moses had already said to Joshua in verse 7. And it's similar to what the Lord would tell Joshua himself in Joshua chapter 1. We know there at the beginning of that where the Lord comes um, and he speaks to Joshua and gives him that exact same charge. When Moses and Joshua presented themselves at the door of the tabernacle that day, he gave the, he gave the charge. So what did the Lord have to say between verse uh, 15 there and verse 23? Well, let's have a look. Verses 16 to 18. This is the time Joshua's going to be made the leader of Israel. This is the time the Lord was going to give him a charge. So what encouragement did the Lord have for Joshua? Verse 16, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers in the land, 
whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them. So they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have wrought in that they have turned unto other gods. Hmm. So this is what the Lord said first to Moses in the hearing of Joshua before he gave the charge and basically it's a rather gloomy message. Not what you would have expected at an ordination. The message was that when the people go into the land, this is the Lord speaking, they will go after other gods and they will forsake me and they will break my covenant. So in my anger, I, the Lord, will forsake them and horrible things will happen to them. And when these horrible things will happen to them, they'll blame me for the evil that has come upon them. Despite Ebal and Gerizim and, and also despite the blessings and the cursings that I should be able to find on those rocks, despite all the law that will be written or the, or the history that would be written by Moses, they would still blame me when they were taken away into a foreign land. They'll blame me for that. It's cheery stuff you have shared at your ordination charge. <laughs> but the Lord had a purpose in telling Moses what the future held for his people. He had a reason for telling him this. You see, the Lord wanted Moses to write a song. Oh, a song. So not only is he a leader, a historian, uh, a, a lawgiver, and a prophet, he's also a songwriter. The Lord wanted Moses to write a song. Have a look, verse 19. Now therefore write ye this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. Put in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers and uh, that floweth with milk and honey and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass... When many evils and troubles are, shall befall them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now before I brought them into the land, which I swear. So Moses therefore wrote this song in the same day and brought it to the children of Israel. So Moses was to write a song that the Lord would dictate to him. He was to, to, he was to teach the Israelites this song, um, who, these Israelites who were soon to enter into Canaan. This song would act as a witness against them when sometime in the future they were suffering the consequences of their sin and rebellion. Now we know some of the songs, one of the songs that, that they would sing in Babylon, by the waters of Babylon, you know, that, that, that psalm there, by the waters of Babylon, we, 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 we imagine Jerusalem. But this was another song that they would have learned that when they go into captivity, they would remember this song as a witness against them that he hadn't forgotten them. You know, sometimes songs can move us or get to us where other means can't. This is a quick quote from the internet. 
It says the power of music can affect the brain. Listen to music, listening to music can make you feel more relaxed. Uh, but in some cultures, it actually is used to ease pain. Science all but confirms that humans are hardwired to respond to music. Humans are hardwired to respond to music. Now, if it's true, if that's true what the internet says, and it must be, it's on the internet. Uh, <laughs> if it's true that our brains are hardwired to respond to music, then guess who did the wiring? You see, God is the one who made our brains. And this is how God made us to be hardwired to music so perhaps he knew a song would get through to his rebellious children when other methods might not. He wanted the Israelites to learn and remember this song so that when they were in captivity, they would be able to sing this song and remember why they were there and that God had not forgotten them. So after telling Moses about the song and giving the charge to Joshua, the Lord told the Moses to gather all the elders and the officers of the people. And so have a look there in Matthew 28 again. Uh, verse 28 again. Deuteronomy 31, 28. After giving the charge to Joshua, after the Lord telling them he wanted him to write a song, Moses said this, Gather unto me all the elders of the tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. And they know, but after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way in which I have commanded you, and the evil which you, and, and evil will be before you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. So, at the end of all this, after the ordination service, <laughs> after the Lord told Moses that he wanted him to write this song, Moses commanded all of the elders to come together, <coughs> basically to learn the song. So, where is the song? Well, it's the very next chapter. Chapter 32 begins the song, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon a tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. That's the beginning of the song, the song of Moses, it's called. And it goes all the way through to verse 43. I'm not going to read it all. You'll be glad to know. You can read it all at home if you want to know what a good songwriter Moses was. But in verse 43, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. End of song. And Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Hoshea, the son of Nun, that's Joshua. And so Moses was to write this song. The song is found in chapter 32, 1 to 43. The song basically tells of the faithfulness of God, of the declension of the people, and then again how God will restore his people uh, to the land. It's, it's basically a song that reflects all the things that he's been telling them already on that day in this 
these sermons we call Deuteronomy. Now, um, I don't, as I say, intend to go through the song. It's very, very long. But I just want to make one observation as my, yes, my last point. My last point, one observation from this song that we would identify with ourselves. You see, this song that Moses wrote isn't a rock song, but it is a song about the rock. Now, I think that's quite a clever little thing to say, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, this isn't a rock song, but this is a song about the rock. Have a look, verse 3 and 4. Chapter 32, verse 3. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, that's Jehovah, ascribe ye greatness unto our God, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, and a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. One of the themes of the song of Moses is that God is our rock. He was the rock of Israel. And here we read that he is the rock of judgment. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of truth. He's a God of justice. If you want truth and you want justice, then turn to Jehovah, turn to the Lord. And then have a look in verse 15. But Jeshurun, which is a pet name for Israel, Israel, but Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, that's Jeshurun, and the lightly esteemed rock of his salvation. Here we read that God is the rock, was the rock of Israel's salvation, and they lightly esteemed him. They went after false gods. They went after their idols. But he was the God of their salvation. And then verses 30 and 31. How shall one chase thousands and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even as our enemies themselves being judges. Even the ungodly knew that the, the rock of Israel was higher and greater and different to all of the false gods of the pagan nations. The rocks of pagan nations are not as our rock. Praise the Lord. He's the, that's simply because he is the true God. He is the living God. He's not as other rocks because he is the true God. He is the rock of truth and justice. He's the rock of our salvation and he is not as other rocks. The Lord is described in this song as a rock for his people. And as you know, a rock is a shelter and the rock is a place of strength. But you know that Jesus was also called a rock. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians, we'll stay over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like to read verses 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 10, 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. You see the context? And did all eat the same spiritual meat. That's the manna. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. And they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. The rock that followed the Israelites as they wandered through the desert was the Messiah, their Messiah, the Christ, the crucified. 
And he, by faith, is our Messiah too. He is our rock as well. Romans 9.33 says, tells us that the Lord Jesus is a stumbling stone and a rock of offence. And whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. The Christ was a rock, was the rock of Israel. And thankfully, praise the Lord, he is our rock too if we believe in him. So I hope that you have believed in the Lord Jesus and that you now have that salvation that he offers to us. And if he is your rock, then flee to him when you have, need shelter. Go to him when you need strength. Moses told us that the Messiah, the Christ, was the rock of Israel. But you know, Moses might have been the first to write a song about the rock, but he certainly wasn't the last. David wrote about his rock in many of his psalms. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, Jehovah is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. David spoke many times in his psalms, in his own songs, about the rock. And that rock was his God and his uh, deliverer, the one who gave him strength and the one in whom he gave, could trust. You know, there are many spiritual songs that can help us today to remember God's promises to us just as the song of Moses would for his people. And that's why we sing hymns at our meetings. If we get to, we're allowed to sing hymns. We sing them because that reminds us of the promises that God has made for us. It reminds us of the God that he is. And that's why God has raised up many, many other songwriters other than Moses because that's what helped us to know our God and to be in good keeping with him. You know, we can fill our minds with the world songs, but they will do us little good. And one of the problems that I can see in churches, even churches that we might know, maybe it's in your life as well, we can become familiar with all the rock songs, not the songs about the rock, the rock songs of the world. They become uh, frequent things that we listen to, but the world songs will do little good, if any good, for us. But if we sing God's songs, they will help us live for him. And so we need to keep a healthy diet of spiritual songs that point us our rock. In his rock, Moses pointed us to the rock of our salvation. And here's the rock that we need not only just to sing about, but we need the rock that we need to tell other people about. You know, the Western world, for the most part, has rejected the true God. Many are trying to fill that spiritual void in their lives with things that aren't true. Whether it's Islam or yoga or the superheroes of Marvel, I worry about that a little bit too. We're filling... Our li the children are filling their life with the supernatural um, heroes of fantasy rather than the supernatural God of the Bible. But like Israel as well, oh, we all need to turn to the Lord because he is the only one who can save us. You know, the Lord has given your church the privilege of having 35 years of serving him. So keep on doing that. Keep on making him the rock of your local church, the rock to whom you turn, the rock that you tell others about. But especially you generations coming through, not just the older folks, a lot of us have established 
ourselves in that faith, establish ourselves as Jesus, as our rock. And you younger generations coming through, look, the baton is over to you. Let Jesus be the rock of your salvation, of the rock of your life, of everything you do. You know, the song of Moses was sad, a sad song in many ways. But Jesus has given us a new song, hasn't he? Thankfully, we don't have to sing the sad song of Moses that was from Israel, one in captivity. Jesus has given us a new song to sing. It's a song of the redeemed. It's a happy song of the Saviour's love to us. So Clarence Valley Baptist Church, just keep on singing that same new song, that song of the redeemed, and keep sharing this song with the lost in their sin. Now, normally we'd, we'd finish our meeting with a, with a song, singing. So I would thought I would read to you a famous song, perhaps the most famous song written about our rock. I'll just read the stanzas uh, and you'll recognise the song. In 1763, Augustus Toplady wrote a song called uh, The Rock of Ages. And so instead of singing it today, I'll try to do my best to share it. Just listen to the words and what it says about our Saviour, our rock. It goes like this. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flow be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Not the labour of my hands can fulfil thy law's demand. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thy fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. While I draw this feeding, fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. It's a great song. It's a great Saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for... Uh, being reminded today that you are a singing God and you're a God who will help us to know our, what we ought to believe and how we ought to live by the songs that we sing. We, Father, thank you for Moses and his faithfulness as a songwriter. It was a sad song. But, Father, we thank you that in Jesus we have a new song. It's a song about a Saviour and his love for us. I pray that, Father, that the Lord Jesus will be the song of our hearts and that he will be the rock that, Lord, we flee to when we need to be comforted, flee to when we need uh, to be protected, but also the rock that we will stand upon and lay our foundations of our life in. So we thank you for this time that we've been able to share together. And I pray for this church, Lord, as they continue to serve you in the years to come. And we pray in Jesus' precious name.